Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another spooky month installment of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year and the Halloween spirit alive 31 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. I'm Jay, and I'm hanging out over here with Tis the Podcast. You might have heard me on Film Strip or the Gridiron Breakdown or Tis the Podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Jay. It's been too long. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back. Uh, real excited to be here for this one, and especially this movie in particular, because Anthony knows my sweet spots here. and This is definitely uh, one of mine that I've spent a lot of time with through the years. Well, you know, when we put this one on the schedule, I knew that we had to get you and ideally Ron, if he could have joined, but sadly Ron could not, to hop on for this one because I know, A, you two are horror masters and love all the horror movies in general, but B, especially this film that we're covering tonight. Yeah, uh, this is a big one. Yeah. Since he's not here, I'm going to go on and let you know, Jay. I'll be sure to tell you when I beat Ron this week in fantasy football. <laughs> please, um, please do. He, he's um, going at down least at one like of us will, will win in fantasy football this week because my team is coached by Urban Meyer pretty much. It's horrible. So <laughs> we are. I, I call myself the uh, New Age Detroit Lions because we are snatching defeat from the jaws of victory every possible way. <laughs> oh, no. I had the genius idea last week. To bench Aaron Rodgers because I thought Bengals got a good defense. I'll play Derek Carr against the Bears, having paid no attention to what was going on in the news for the week. Oh, no. Not knowing the train wreck that was going to Chicago. And, of course, Derek Carr doesn't even finish the game. So, that was awesome. Oh, man. (laughs) Tom has pretty much been undefeated in the Christmas Podcast Network fantasy. Four weeks in a row. Four weeks in a row. And it's it's not even going to be close this week against – the Grinch Iron Gang, Ron's team. <laughs> the Grinch Iron that- Gang. That's my favorite thing about fantasy football are the names. You guys are so creative. Have you not checked out our fun. names, Julia? Oh, I've checked them out. I just didn't remember that one. Yeah, the names are pretty Quality. intense. In What's your name, football. Jay? And your oh, my, mine is real simple. It's the going down in flames. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that's uh, that's what uh, what my team is. Uh, so I, I, you know, they're living up to their uh, potential. So, Anthony's uh, how the bench stole Christmas, <laughs> and I am a Krampus's little helper. It gives me combining my love of Krampus and the Simpsons in one. <laughs> so Jay, for our newer listeners who may not have gone through all our 
old episodes. Why don't you tell them a bit about yourself and your podcasts and everything like that? Sure thing. So you can hear me on one of two podcasts, depending on what you're interested in. Uh, the primary one and the big one is Filmstrip Podcast. Go to filmstrippodcast.com. That'll take you to all the links to the place. You can find the show. We're at Filmstrip Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, we've been around for over 11 years now and 300 plus episodes. Covered a lot of everything, but we've done a lot of horror in, uh, for sure. Uh, not really intending to be a horror podcast it's just something i like it's something brian likes it's something a lot of our other co-hosts have liked through the years ron uh nick you know others and uh yeah um we we just have fun talking about different kinds of movies and uh every october if you go through our archives we do what we call shocktober i know like fifty-five thousand other podcasts now use that too but uh, we we came up with that we thought on our own a long time ago <laughs> um but anyway you can go back through and we've done i'd like to say we've done all the what i call the big horror series with one exception um we've done friday the 13th we've done nightmare on elm street we've done hellraiser um, and we've done halloween we've done all of the halloween movies uh, brian and i did that series back in 2014 and then when we, we took a little break and we picked the podcast back up, we did the 2018 Halloween in 2019. Um, and so we've been waiting to keep up with the new ones as well. And we'll be doing Halloween kills and all that kind of stuff this year. So what's the one big one you haven't done yet? Texas Chainsaw? Well, yeah, it, it, that's the guess most people have. It's either that one or Child's Play. And uh, ah. there there's distinct reasons we haven't done both. Child's Play, I could never find a co-host that was down to do all of them and then that number keeps growing <laughs> and with texas chainsaw i'm the problem because it's the same movie <laughs> every movie and it's like i don't know how many times i could watch that even the and i like the 2000 platinum dunes remix people hate on this but i kind of like them but um yeah i mean i like that you know movie or whatever that series but it's just not one that i've ever been real jazzed to just go back and you know fall in love with but now halloween now that's a different story i can tell my whole background with that if you if you want me to oh we will but before we get to that i do have another <laughs> horror related question for you yeah because you guys did do the scream series as well we did we did, did you see the new trailer for screen five and if so, i what did i did i got the alert on the on the twitter machine about that and uh, stopped what i was doing and watched it and uh, oh yeah uh, i was like this looks like a competently made movie <laughs> i'm excited about that so yeah i like it i i i honestly thought they were going to do the halloween 2018 thing with like forget all them other ones you know it's going back to the and i kind of thought for a second they were doing that but then it's very obvious that they're not and i'm like okay i i'm sort of down for this because it's going to pay homage to its own 90s self-referential roots and so i'm yeah i'm excited about it i i think it'll be fun and it looks like you've got the primary cast back there uh, to have fun with it though i've got you know my own personal office pool which one of them i think dies first but uh, you know we'll talk about this <laughs> day. uh <laughs> my money's on dewey ah so you and i are in the same pool then yeah it's so I, th I think dewey gets it in the opening scene i think that's what they're gonna go with so really? <laughs> and then we're gonna find videotapes of dewey but uh yeah we'll see so uh, i don't know um that, that's an interesting series that, and ron and brian and i did that one together back in the day we just did the, the four pack and um it's an interesting movie series it really is it's been a long time since i rewatched all of them i watched the original scream Oh, probably four or five months ago, I just got in a mood and wanted to see it again. And I watched it. And that movie owes so much to the one we're talking about tonight, Halloween, um, and which is why I think I like it so much. But I remember going to see that in a the theater 
and having really no idea what I was walking into. I thinking it was like a parody horror movie or something. Because at that point, I just figured Wes Craven's just giving up. And, you know, I didn't know who Kevin Williams was. I knew anybody. Yeah. And then I watched that and I was like, holy cow, like the party of five kids just slaughtered each other. This is awesome. So, yeah, I, was, I was down for that. And um, I, I can actually say I took, I've seen all of them in theaters. Um, and on the first three, I took three different dates to see Ooh. these screens. Oh, man. I'm not married to any of those people. Um, so that should tell you how that went. <laughs> so did you, is it your wife you took to screen for? No, no, no. She watched it at home with me. She, she didn't okay. go see it with me in the theater, but she has seen it at home with me. So, yeah. But, uh, she, awesome. likes, she likes these kind of things, too, though. Like our second or third date was seeing the Zack Snyder remake of Dawn of the Dead. And then we went and saw the original Saw together. Yeah. So, like, we're, yeah, she'll watch all this cool stuff with me, which is fun. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, wait, and, no, it actually, it means I have to watch a lot of TLC, like Amish. I'm leaving Amish. I pay for it. I can say that, though, because she doesn't listen to podcasts, so whatever. Oh, you're winning. <laughs> I mean, you're basically in the same boat as all of us because none of our spouses listen. Basically. As she likes to put it, that's Jay's hobby. <laughs> that's, funny. Um, that's okay. Before we get into tonight's movie, though, I have a question now for all of you. Did y'all see the new trailer for the Home Alone, not remake, but sequel, apparently? I don't understand how it's a sequel, but... Buzz was in it as a cop. I guess. Is that it's a McAllister, a sequel, and it was Buzz. It happens in the future, and there are tethers to the original. Is that all it takes to be a sequel? That's all it takes That's all it takes. All right. That kid is precious, and I will absolutely watch this movie, although... We'll see. I mean, it's on our list. I know. But like, even if it wasn't, <laughs> I, I would watch I still, it. I still don't know if I'm going to do it. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to. I already feel I the just, rage building inside it. of me watching the trailer. So, Did you see it, I Jay? I, I did. I, I saw that treating as well, and I, I gave it a look, and I was like, I remember so little about Home Alone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's been a long time since I watched that, because I, like, my... My Macaulay Culkin exists in two cinematic universes. Uncle Buck, which is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And The Good Son, which is terrible, but he's awesome. In it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's that's my Macaulay Culkin. Everybody, uh, no party monster? No, no. Was never a <laughs> that, that didn't do it for you? No, that didn't work. But uh, yeah, but no. Um, yeah, I saw that. And I was like, well, I mean, everything gets uh, a re- hashing these days i guess we'll say yeah. so sure why not but i'm with yeah. julia i think you you have to just be remotely tangentially related to the original and you can call that a, a studio will go sure let's just slap that title on that <laughs> <laughs> well we are not here tonight to discuss home alone we are here tonight to round off spooky season with our last horror movie of 2021 in our main feed and tonight we are covering Halloween, the original 1978, arguably the granddaddy of all slasher films. So if you've lived under a rock for the past four or five decades now, the plot the plot is about a mental patient who was committed to a sanitarium for murdering his babysitting teenage sister on Halloween night when he was six years old. 15 years later, he escapes and returns to his hometown where he stalks a female babysitter and her friends while under pursuit by his psychiatrist. So, 
let's dive right into our histories with this film and guess first because i feel like jay probably has the most interesting history as well so (laughs) kick us off jay I don't know about interesting, but it's a bit of a personal story. So when I was a kid, um, I was eight years old. I was involved in a bicycle accident, and um, I had a broken leg and some other, some other stuff. And um, uh, sometime after that, um, I had to do one of these tests where you stay up all night and you don't eat past midnight. I was a gremlin, I guess, whatever. But I had to go in and have like, I don't know, the EEG. I'm not a nurse. I don't know. But you had to go in and have this done, but you had to keep me up all night. And my folks were like, how are we going to keep this nine-year-old kid up at night? Because I liked to sleep when I was a kid. And then I stopped from 16 to like 42. But anyway, I, I, I didn't know what to do. And so they took me to the local mom and pop video store. Hills Video is no longer there. It's a tax service office now. But anyway, Hills Video, Florence, Alabama. And they said to the guy, like, I got to keep this kid up. He's seen Jaws and he's seen The Shining. What do you what do you recommend? And the guy pulled two VHSs off of his, his shelf. VHSs. This is how this was done. So great. The original Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween. And I watched them both that evening um, with my folks. So they were there. Um, but I, I definitely gravitated one, you know, more than the other. I like Nightmare, and I think it's cool. Um, but Halloween, something about that just triggered stuff in my head. And I, even at a young age, I really got into how things were shot and made and all that stuff. And just the way the movie looked and the way it moved, I'd never seen anything mm-hmm. like that. And up to that point, there weren't a lot of things that looked like that. And so I just became obsessed with it and watched it and then i've seen every one of the halloween movies from part six on in a theater and uh have you know own them all in multiple you know variances and like i said we did a whole series of it on film strip but it if, if any movie i know it's one i probably know as well as anything and have examined from every possible way it's halloween movies are the reason i ex- i know that there is an imdb because when <sighs> h2o was being made i followed the entire production on that through imdb's forums and all this kind of stuff and yeah so yeah i'm i'm a big mark for halloween and always have been and always will be and um yeah i've seen it a lot of times and so when you asked me to do this i was like do i really need to rewatch it and then i asked myself I was like of course i'm going to right? <laughs> like i watch this at least you know at least twice a year sometime in the spring when i'm like oh i wish it was fall i'll watch halloween and then or one of them and then uh, it, it was my excuse to get into it anyway because Halloween Kills is coming out, so I wanted to kind of refresh and yeah. So Halloween's kind of a, a big one for me, and um, always winds up in like my favorite list—not greatest things ever made, but like my favorite movies. It's in my top list for sure. So yeah. Well, Julia and Tom, our job is going to be super easy tonight because Jay's going to bring all ah. the knowledge and trivia <laughs> for this film. <laughs> um, take Julia. that. Take that reviewer who said we're the least prepared and least. Research podcast. Wait a minute. I was supposed to prepare. Oh, oh man. I'm in trouble. Have y'all listened to Film Strip? Come on. <laughs> 300 episodes. Why would I start now? <laughs> Julia, how about you? What's your history? Um, so I don't know that you can exist and be our age and not have an awareness of Halloween, right? Um, so while I have that awareness of Halloween, I don't think I'd ever seen it in its entirety until watching it for tonight. Um, It's so pervasive in all horror culture, of which I'm not a massive horror fan, but I know enough to know that it has inspired 
so much else. So I was greatly surprised by a few things watching it. I'm not surprised by a few other things watching it. And I'm super excited to learn from Jay and Anthony because they know they're the two biggest Halloween fans um, on the recording right now. Um, but also just to kind of talk about some of the stuff that was really surprising to me about Halloween. But before we get to Tom, Julia, did you, since we watched Scream last week, yeah. did you like totally see how it inspired oh, yeah. so much of Scream? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. There were Easter eggs, which really aren't Easter eggs in reverse, right? I was looking at them like Easter eggs from Scream to Halloween, which is absolutely backwards. But there were moments when I was like, oh, that's what they're doing. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, it was great. Tom, how about you? Uh, I had never heard of this movie before tonight when I watched it and was <laughs> thoroughly surprised by all of the things that happened that I've never seen referenced anywhere else <laughs> before. No, uh, like Julia said, it is absolutely impossible to live to be <laughs> 40 and not be familiar with this film. And what it has done. And um, Anthony is right that this is the granddaddy of all slasher films. I don't, I can't tell you the number of, you know, the, the things that we, it's interesting because before I had seen this movie, I'd seen a lot of other horror films and the things and the tropes that I'm used to seeing that have, that are sort of tiresome. It's interesting to go back and watch this and realize that, whoa, this is the first time that trope ever played out, right? This birthed an entire genre of films that have some better, some worse reiterated or iterated on um, what was done in this. So it was good. I liked it uh, as a kid when I first saw it. And, you know, it's pretty OK still today. So my history like I touched upon last week with Scream, like I was not into horror as a kid. My horror were the universal monsters, you know, the old black and white Dracula, Frankenstein, all of them. And Scream was like my first real modern horror film. Um, but that was my gateway drug and it opened up, opened up that world to me and introduced me to Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and everything. So yeah, I, when I saw a scream in like the sixth, seventh grade, whichever year it was, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was a freshman in college. Okay, and Anthony's like twelve. Sixth as you'll be grade. able to tell from his, as you'll be able to tell from his humor and the references he makes during this. Oh, movie. hush. Review. Sixth grade, though, for the record, Jay was in Scream 3 came out. It's just when I saw the first Scream. <laughs> wow. Um, Get out of here, kid. <laughs> so, yeah, after Scream, I, I discovered Halloween, and I gravitated toward this one for the title alone, right? Because I was always into Halloween the holiday, and I loved it immediately. It was, I, I mean, I knew of Michael Myers even at that age before I saw the movie because he's so pervasive in pop culture, but like actually seeing the movie and seeing him stalk these teenage girls who look to be in their thirties, except for Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, <laughs> it's cause they were, <laughs> they were. Yeah. I mean, he, he was terrifying that 
blank, emotionless mask. Like he gave me nightmares. And to this day, he's still like, I mean, just like the movie is the granddaddy of all slashers films. He's the granddaddy of all these horror movie villains. And while. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a better film personally than scream but like i said last week scream was my generation right horror was dead like ghostface was my generation's michael myers so yeah the two of them sad. No, you're you're not wrong about that and i enjoyed hearing you say that on the show too because the, the thing about scream is horror was in like the dish when that movie came out and the funny thing is is scream put it in another ditch several years later because of everything that sort of was wrought from screen, uh, but which I could spend another you know time with you on spooky season talking about those. But yeah, that's the fun thing about scream is that it, it brought something back to a generation of people who had either forgotten about or had missed all the slasher, you know, Kings. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, it brought you back to Halloween, all the places. And I, you, I hear, I've heard y'all say like the granddaddy of all slashers. I, I would actually sit here and argue with you that the granddaddy of all slashers was made in 1960 by Alfred Hitchcock. With, oh, with, Psycho. With no money. Yeah, at all. That oh, was no Psycho. Money. And then That's like fair. Peeping Tom and Black Christmas are sort of like proto versions of Halloween. And then um, if you, if you well, go back and watch re- those, yeah. Wasn't this originally supposed to be a sequel to Black Christmas when it was conceived? And then they... No, that, that, that's no. a rumor that got it out there. Like they, like one of the original producers and distributors wanted to do one, but they mm-hmm. walked away from that original uh, after a little bit because they realized like there was no, there was nothing else to do with that story. Which, if you've seen the two remakes, he was right. But there, there, <laughs> there's, really, you know, <laughs> there's nothing else to do with that. So that's when they turned it over to Carpenter and Hill's idea, and, and I can get into you know, what brought them to where they were with this as it was but yeah but they were definitely inspired by bob clark and you know some of these other filmmakers beforehand i mean the the shot that comes to mind is a point of view shot at the beginning is very exactly. black christmas mm-hmm. but yeah yeah but yeah the last thing i'll say about my history is so <laughs> i'm not a big fan of many of the halloween sequels <laughs> so when the 2018 version came out and they said hey this is going to be a direct sequel to the original and none of the rest of it is canon. And they, <laughs> I was like, yes, sign me up. This is what I want. And I loved it. So I can't wait for Halloween kills in a few days from recording. this. So um, let's run through the cast and credits real quick. So this is directed and written by, and you know, the music was done by as well. John Carpenter, the legendary John Carpenter, who did The Fog, Escape from New York, Starman, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, Christine, Prince of Darkness, They Live. I mean, this guy's a horror movie legend. <laughs> he, he is referenced in the screen movies just as much as Wes Craven himself. So do you guys have a favorite John Carp- Carpenter film besides Halloween? Or is it Halloween? I have a least favorite. Ooh, what is it? Starman. Oh my gosh, my parents loved that movie. And that was the world's slowest piece of movie film that's ever been on television, ever in the history of ever. I remember wanting to die when it was on TV. And now like I should I should rewatch it because like I like the cast. But the thing scared the holy mackerel out of me. So stinking scary. So that's probably my favorite. 
I joined Julio on that. The thing is is his best stuff, and it's it's fantastic. How about you, Tom? It's tough, right? Uh, he's done a lot of stuff, so I really like his Kurt Russell movies. Oh, it's yep. Big Trouble in Little China. Escape, Escape from New York. From New York uh, Escape from L.A. Those are all really fun. Um, he did Village of the Damned, right? Yep. I don't that know. That was one Maybe. of his okay. vampires. Okay. Va- the vampires, both vampires. There was a sequel to it, too, mm-hmm. that I actually liked more because it was awful. Vampires Los Muertos. Yes. Um, it's a good bad movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I have a hard time picking, and I'm going to say pass. <laughs> my my, my favorite is this film, honestly. Uh, Thing comes in very, very close second. But I love this genre. I love the slasher genre, so this film takes it for me. I think the funny thing about Thing is that it, it, people love it now and have talked about it for maybe the last 10, 12 years. Like, it's a thing. Yep. Everybody loves it, you know? But John Carpenter to this day says, where the heck were all of you in when I released it? Because nobody went and saw it. It bombed and it got him fired from the studio. So, you know, just one of those things that takes time. So So playing Michael Myers, who is only credited as the shape in the credits, uh, our boogeyman, as they refer to him multiple times in this film, is Nick Castle who this is, I mean, probably the thing he's most known for, right? His name is Synonymous. No. no. What he's is most it? known for being the director of The Last Starfighter, my friend. So. I meant I meant acting-wise. I should oh, acting-wise? Like, yeah, because acting yeah, he's yeah, not sorry. an actor. But yeah, yes, it's true. <laughs> so, not, not to blow your bubble, but about 10 people play Michael Myers in this movie. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Including both the director and the producer. Like, But Nick Castle gave Michael Myers a thing that none of the other stuntmen have ever figured out, and it's that walk. Mm. And it's just how he walks. He, he, like, I don't even know what it is I was doing. I was just walking but it's how he kind of glides that just that that's what they fell in love with. They're like, Hey, yeah, you walk around in the mask. That'll be fun. And well, it's unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's I mean, very creepy. It's yeah. how do you make walking unsettling? I don't know, but he did it and did it well. Yeah. And none of the rest of them have ever figured it out. So like Dick Warlock's awesome in, in Halloween too, but it's a different energy. And then all oh, the rest of the totally stuff. Different. Totally different. And then now the guy they got now is just like a smaller version of the wrestler that Rob Zombie had. So I mean, it's just you know, it's just a machine. But but this is the the way he just kind of just eases through stuff. It's like a cat. It's really spooky. Yeah, absolutely. To your credit, yes, he directed the Last Starfighter. Which come on, everyone lo- knows oh, love that, that movie. movie. Love it. Uh, he also did The Boy Who Could Fly, Dennis and Menace, and Major Pain. So, like, I mean, do you have a f- Major Pain with Marlon Wayans? That's the one. Yeah, that yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's one of those yeah, I vividly remember going and watching while I was in middle school with, like, my middle school friends and thinking, this is the coolest experience ever in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we quoted that thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you try to do it in his voice? Uh, yeah, because you have to do it in his voice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do very well at it? No. Definitely not. Did So, was, um, so Julia, is Major Payne your favorite directed Nick Castle movie? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I don't know that I ever sat back and thought about, oh, of all his movies, what are my favorite? Um, no, The Last Starfighter would probably be my favorite. Now knowing that's all the stuff he's directed. Yep, mine too. And mine as well. <laughs> so, so playing our male protagonist in this film, Michael Myers, psychiatrist from childhood, is Dr. Samuel Loomis. Uh, Dr. Samuel Loomis is played by Donald Pleasance, who, <laughs> this guy was a legendary actor. He was in The Great Escape. He was in You Only Live Twice. He was in oh. Wake... Yes, yeah. he uh, was great I, yeah, I, have to, I have to jump in on that because <laughs> if there's other, something else I grew up with, it was James Bond movies. My dad mm-hmm. and I like it's still our thing to talk oh, yeah. Bond movies, and that that is my Blofeld, you know, or whatever. Like that. Donald, Pla- like when I saw Halloween, I knew him as the guy from You Only Live Twice. So I'm I'm probably the only person that remembered that outside of his kids. But yeah, because now he's <laughs> definitely just the Halloween guy. It must have been weird for you seeing that movie first and then seeing him play the hero in in Halloween. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I, I thought, you know, like, British people, like, it, the way I grew up, you, you can be a hero or a villain all in how you twinge the accent. So, like, Mary Poppins is a serial killer if you just put a little dark music behind huh? her. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Don't mess with Julie um, Donald Pleasance is also... <laughs> Donald Pleasance is also credited for one of the more iconic moments in this film, which we'll talk to when we get to it, but he came up with the way a certain scene should be played and it made the whole movie, but we'll get to, we'll get to it. Uh, he's also been in Escape from New York. He was a president, right? And he was in Prince of Darkness. He's been in tons of stuff. Do we have a favorite Donald Pleasance? I don't really. Mine is Halloween, the Halloween franchise. He's he is Doctor Loomis to me. Doctor Loomis is a terrible psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have Absolutely to talk about like, his his horrid therapy. <laughs> so, yeah. When your psychiatrist thinks you're Satan, it's probably time to find a new psychiatrist. <laughs> um. <laughs> um and then playing our protagonist, our heroine in her first movie role ever is Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. We've covered Jamie Lee Curtis on this podcast before. She's a legend. We all love her. But I must ask you, Jay, what is your favorite Jamie Lee Curtis? This might this might surprise you a little bit, um, but it is actually her role in True Lies it is my favorite thing she's ever done. Oh, so nice. She's Ooh. awesome, but I want to tell you the thing that Jamie Lee Curtis and she's made her peace with it you know, or whatever, which I think is cool, is she will go down as like the screen queen, you know, right? But she is actually one of the most talented comedic actresses of our generation mm-hmm. in our times. Like Fish Called Wanda, again, True Lies, Trading Places, but even something like Freaky Friday or whatever. Mm-hmm. She is playing so against type in this first movie. It is funny. And she will tell you all the time, like, if you know me even a little bit, you know I'm Annie or I'm Linda. And I'm probably Annie because I'm the smart aleck who talks too much and curses too much and smokes too much, you know, whatever she said. But so when they let me play the virgin, I was like, that'll be an acting challenge. And I love to hear her <laughs> tell that story. She is so funny. And she, and I love that she will, will make fun of herself. And 
Um, she's also married to friggin' Christopher Guest. I mean, imagine how hilarious dinner at their house would be. Goodness gracious. So it's, also, she's the daughter of Janet Lee from and, Psycho and, Fame. Right? And she dressed as her for the Halloween Kills premiere, which is yes. awesome. Oh, nice. Yes, she did. So. Oh, that's epic. No, yeah. she she is she is one of our finest like comedic actresses though. But yeah, True Lies is my like favorite Jamie Lee Curtis thing, not called Halloween ever, and it's awesome. She's great in that. Um, I have to change what I had said before and go with Freaky Friday because we recently watched that movie so with her good. and Lindsay Lohan. So good. Yeah, it's so good. She is amazing. See, I mean, and you funny. can believe her as Lindsay Lohan as a teenager. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, wow. Yeah. If only Lindsay Lohan I mean, was that cool. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan did a pretty cool job, too. But, oh. Poor I mean, she was also great in Knives Out more recently. Yep. Yes, Anthony, you and I talked about that over on Film Strip. People could go check we that did. one out. We did. Check it so, out, y'all. That was, that was a good, that was a good uh, fun episode. So. Oh, that's such a good fun movie. <laughs> but playing... Laurie's best friend, Annie Brackett, also daughter of the sheriff, town sheriff, is Nancy Kyes, who was in Assault on Precinct 13 and The Fog, Halloween 2, and her final film appearance is actually Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, in which she did not play Annie Brackett, because that movie has nothing to do with the rest of the franchise. (laughs) Um, You know... She's Annie to me. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, that's who I think of when I see her. So. Talented artist, too, in her own right, like as a painter and things. That was sort of the biggest part of her career. She was a, a painter and a writer and among other things. So, hmm. yeah. PJ Souls plays ditzy best friend Linda Vanderclock. And she was in Rock and Roll High School. Breaking Away, Private Benjamin, Stripes, Sweet Dreams, Jawbreaker, The Devil's Rejects, and Beg. Oh, that was a terrible movie. The Devil's Rejects? Yes. I mean, it's Rob Zombie. Everything by Rob Zombie is terrible. I am fully expecting his Monsters remake to be white trash, and they're literally murdering I mean, people on the street rather than like did, being the family-friendly did, monsters. Do you ever wonder what it would be like if, if Eddie Monster used the F word a lot and tried to like sleep with his sister? You're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I say all that and like I watch him do like a really faithful, like charming little goofy remake of that. I mean, in fairness, all the behind-the-scenes stuff he's been showing is remarkably faithful to the show. Yeah, I mean, that is, is his crazy. thing. Like, he loves – I mean, the dude had a friggin' song called Dragula, after all. I mean, which is a slamming tune, by the way. It's good to run by, I will, I will add. I mean, uh, he's I, good friends with the guy who plays Eddie Munster, too. Like, he's yeah. done commentary for the original show. That's his thing. He's yeah. obsession. So I'm hopeful he's faithful. But at the same time, I'm fully expecting to find out how – Eddie turned out to be a werewolf when his father's a Frankenstein's monster and his mom's a vampire, because clearly uh, (laughs) that's not his dad. Uh, (laughs) um, Playing Sheriff Brackett is Charles Cyphers, who was in Halloween 2. He's reprising his role in Halloween Kills, which comes out in two days from when we're recording. He was in Assault on Precinct 13, The Fog, Escape from New York, because uh, John Carpenter likes to use a lot of his same actors, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I love when directors do that, like the loyalty to their talent. Adam Sandler does that. 
Anyway, playing Lindsay Wallace, <laughs> who is also uh, is Kyle. Well, Richard. while we're yeah, while we're talking, Adam Sandler, I heard Andrew, I heard Anthony's password was was something to do with Adam Sandler and his love for him. Adam Sandler, you're rocks, hilarious, so my friend. I really, really am. <clears throat> The amount of trolling I saw when I got back on Twitter of you and Matt and April, like, guessing my passwords, like, MAGA2024 and Adam Sandler rocks1234, like, uh, you know, comes from a place if this wasn't a family-friendly podcast, I would have some choice work. <laughs> um, playing Lindsay Wallace, the little girl that Annie is babysitting, but laurie takes over is kyle richards and she's actually reprising her role as Lindsay wallace in halloween kills in a few days time she was in the car eaten alive the watcher in the woods little house on the prairie the, uh psh, she was a main cast member on the real housewives of beverly hills i did not know that that's how i know her actually yeah that's how most people know her yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's... so she's probably uh, real she was... happy to be in that new halloween movie <clears throat> right <laughs> she was a contestant on the former president of the united states reality show the new celebrity apprentice and yeah so i mean oh interesting <laughs> she, she's Lindsay wallace to me uh i kind of lost a little respect from her for her <laughs> knowing she appeared on the beverly housewives or the real housewives but i also just looked up she is starring in a peacock original film this year which we may have to cover because it's called the real housewives of the North pole. So. <laughs> oh, <lovely. laughs> that, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Veto. I'll, I will volunteer as tribute to come back. For that. <laughs> I'll put that out there right now. Cause I have Peacock. So I will, I will fight the bullet. On that. Jay, you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, playing Tommy Doyle is Brian Andrews. He, this is the thing he's most well known for, but he was also on Days of Our Lives. He was in the Grey Santini, Three O'Clock High, and The Long Days of Summer. He is not coming back for Halloween Kills. He has been recast by uh, Michael C. Hall. No, not Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony, yeah, Anthony Michael, Michael Hall. Hall. <laughs> Very Man, different. That's actor. a little bit of a difference <laughs> right there. Just, just a tad. <laughs> and that's really our main cast so let's hop right into the plot of this film it starts out in 1963 we get this really eerie point of view shot through the eyes of a mask that is tracking through this dark house and goes into the bedroom a bedroom where a teenage girl is sitting Naked for some reason as she's brushing her hair. I guess because she just, her and her boyfriend just finished having sex. That's a deal because we saw the boyfriend leave. But she's brushing her hair and he's watching this guy. We're watching her for a good few seconds before she notices us. And she turns around, looks straight in the camera, is like, Michael? And all of a sudden, a knife is raised and she's stabbed to death. What a way to open the film. And as I mentioned earlier, this point of view shot is directly inspired by Black Christmas. Black Christmas and Peeping Tom are where those those came from. And we can't go much further in this movie without crediting another person who's as much to uh, thank for the way it looks um, 
as anything, and that's Dean Cundy, legendary cinematographer, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, among some of his many, 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 many credits. But he started out with Carpenter doing low-budget nothings, and he, he <laughs> did the first three of these, and that's why they all kind of look the same. Um, and Dean Cundy just has a... As he put it, he said, we had no money, but we had all the imagination in the world. That's why you get some of the cool shots that you get. And he's just a cameraman and just a, a genius with that panaglide and all that stuff. But you got you got to really thank him because Carpenter will tell you, too, that, like, I knew what I wanted to look like. And Dean's the only other person that saw it. And so it's you can I mean, that's his vision as much as anything. And you brought up the no money that will become evident later on. And we'll talk about it later on where um, they shot in the dead of summer in California. So they only had a certain amount of dead leaves to put on the ground. So they would cover a lot. They'd rake them up and bring them to the next house and they shot. But it's funny because you'll see in the background as they're walking down the street, sunny green grass, green trees. And except for the house, they're always in front of. Yeah. The, the fun part is in the, in the middle sequels, the, the Jamie Lloyd trilogy of four, five and six, they're all shot like in Salt Lake City. So you can see the mountains in the background. So it's, <laughs> Illinois has a lot of topography. So I've been through Illinois too. It looks nothing like any of this. Uh, but yeah, it's, that is the, that is the funny part. But no, you, you nail that first shot. Like you say, it, it's like two shots strung together, but it looks like just one big continuous shot of that kid running around the house and up the stairs well, and everything. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. It's punctuated by all that, but I think I think the other thing that you got the thing that always started like what grabbed me about this movie and still does to this day is the way it starts is with that that music, man. And Carpenter tells a great story. He said I showed this to an executive, and they were like, "This is the most boring thing I've ever seen," but it had no music on it. And then he went and put the music track under it, and the same person it scared him. And so that's that a great five four call. time and that little piano bang and all that. I mean that and that the way that pumpkin opens up in the front like that is such a creepy little thing but man it sets the it whole is. mood it is such a simple tune but that tune is iconic and that tune i'll hear like if my uh iphone if my radio is on shuffle my playlists are on shuffle and that tune comes up on the car like i who i get chills because like i can't listen to that alone in the dark because i, it is, I literally it, was running one morning with a shuffle going off of the apple music or whatever the, and my my music list and the halloween theme came up because obviously of course i own the soundtrack um mm -hmm. and and i was like this is a little weird to be pounding out some miles to this because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, i kept hey. looking around every house i was like i'm not going down the uh, dark street i don't care if it is 11 o'clock in the morning whatever um, i've <laughs> seen these movies you run, people in the day so <laughs> yeah, so uh, and yet yeah, that music sets the tone and then you couple it with that opening shot and just those little stings and those synthesizers. It, it gives this thing something that I think all great horror movies have is a theme song, a sound, something nightmare yep. has a, you know, a sound mm -hmm. exorcist had a music with tubular bells. Um, Friday the 13th Jason. even has yep. a thing. Yep. You know? um, I guess Texas Chainsaw had like pots and pans banging in the background or whatever the heck Toby Hooper was <laughs> smoking weed doing. But, you know, like all these things have a theme. Like, there's a theme song to them. And uh, even Scream, you know, Red Right Hand, which my friend Brian absolutely hates. But I'm like, that's the Scream song, dude. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that stuff is as, as, instrumental is understanding the movie and sort of relating to it as anything else. And I think the music in this is one of the things that really made it sell too. psycho is, is the granddaddy of all of that though, those strings and that sting. Mm -hmm. 
And to your point, too, you mentioned the pumpkin at the beginning. I love that extended opening shot with the credits with the jack-o'-lantern. Um, and I loved that in the 2018 version, they, it was a rotting pumpkin and they reinflated it back during, they did the credits the same way and it just reinflated back to full health and glowing eyes. That was so cool. Some artists going like, let me show you where we think this series is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, the last one they had made, that's pretty well where it was. It was a rotting Rob Zombie pumpkin. So, <laughs> I mean... Even before that, when you start bringing in Buster Rhymes to be murdered by... Yeah, uh... let's not talk about Resurrection. That's, <laughs> not... <laughs> that's that's the one of these, the one of these sequels that I can never defend any part of. Like, even five, which is a little uneven, like, I can find stuff to like because it's creepy. Eight, I'm like, nah, it's just like, there's no reason to ever enjoy that <laughs> under any circumstance whatsoever. It's like, no. So, so what's interesting, too, about this opening scene, which is really cool, is that we don't know who just did this. We like, if you're seeing this for the first time, you probably think it's an adult, a teenager even, but the shock comes at the very end of the scene where we go outside, meet the parents. And it turns out it's like this eight year old, six year old kid. Yeah. In a clown outfit and holding a knife. And which is where I have to come up with my first problem with this movie. She kept screaming and fighting. And he was like, 10 like <laughs> like what grown woman is gonna sit there and get taken by a kid like that i don't i don't see that happening i'm sorry i mean if that first cut went deep enough probably made her a little weak I, i'll tell you what my problem with it is tom is that her, when i the, got whoever they got playing her mom has like the worst reaction of anybody if you see <laughs> Julie, if you rolled up and saw one of your kids holding a knife that was bloody would you just stand there and kind of put your hands in your pockets like hmm, what that's all about? <laughs> i've always like even as a kid i'm like why is she just standing there <laughs> um and, and then this film transitions to like 15 years later. It's October 30th, 1978, day before Halloween. And we meet Dr. Sam Loomis and nurse Marion Chambers, who is also going to be in the new movie coming out. Same actress. Um, they are, a, they are traveling to a sanitarium where Michael Myers is kept to transfer him to a court hearing um, where Loomis is very clear he hopes that they basically lock him up and throw away the key. He talks about, I don't know if this is the moment he talks about it, but he talks about the eyes, how when he first met him, there's nothing behind the eyes, just blackness and darkness. And he's very poetic for a psychiatrist. He, he loves his long-winded monologues. But he does. That story about the eyes, that comes from a story in John Carpenter's real life because he toured a um prison or like a mental facility and he met a young child who was locked up and when they met eyes there's just he said there was nothing behind it just like pure emptiness staring at him and he had nightmares about him for like years afterwards so so i want to actually credit halloween with starting another american and maybe even international um i don't want to say craze but like obsession it's an entertainment thing that in the last 10, 12 years is, is still exploded. True crime. Uh, because being the big Halloween nerd I was as a kid, and they weren't making these every other year all the time. Right. You had to just sort of create your own fanfic, right? And the yep. fanfic on the internet was real bad. So 
in my head, I said, you know what would be cool is if they made this like, because I was also obsessed with like watching 2020 and 48 hours mystery and all that stuff. Like, what if this was a real thing and they made a 48 hours mystery out of it? Instead of Loomis being some, you know, dude waving a gun at the screen, you actually had him sitting there going like, I'm telling you about my patient and all this. Like, you hear the story that way. Like, and yeah. riding my bike around you in the back of my head, this is what I'm creating. So you didn't wonder I'm a podcaster. But I mean, really like this, this movie in a lot of ways is a true crime story in a lot of ways. And I think people are the people that are into that are either out and out horror fans or secret horror fans. And they probably have all seen this movie. Absolutely. And the, you know, the 2018 version leans into that, right? Cause they have the true crime podcasters. Yes, that's how the, the story independently starts. wealthy. The Here's independently $5,000. Laurie talked to us. And right? I always said that yeah. was the most unrealistic thing about that film. Podcasters <laughs> have 5,000 bucks to like, like give there. Even cereal didn't have that. They were just paying Adnan's like phone cards. That's all they had. So. <laughs> no, but but I did love that though, how that opened up that way. You saw them going through the case files and like treating it like this is a real crime that happened. And yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, I do think this movie is is the spark of a lot of interest in that kind of thing. If you th- because again, it does play out for a long time very realistically. I mean, it's and just the creep factor alone. I mean, he's driving up yeah. to that sanitarium, and when they pull up, and that music starts again, of course, and the rain is pouring down, and there's all these like people in white, you know. Uh, Backsplit hospital gowns. I'm like, no, nah, we turn it around. No, Ooh, right? don't go to the game. Instead, oh. he gets right out of the car. <laughs> right? Like, no, that is not what we do at this point. But yeah, yeah, he gets out of the car to investigate. Tells the poor nurse to stay there and wait for him. And then we see like an animal like climb the windshield of that car barefoot. <laughs> and reach through the window grab her by the neck pull her out of the car and speed away with it i have to jump in here too as the super fan of this thing um years ago a friend bestowed upon me a copy of the novelization of halloween it's very hard to come by um it's very expensive if you try to buy it but i got it and read it and most of the time like movie novelizations i don't know if y'all ever delved into them but it's an interesting writing experience, you know, and yes. a reading experience too, to watch your favorite thing come to life in that form. But whoever did, the guy that did it really, he, he, I mean, pretty much just retold the script, but he added stuff too that like was the questions you always had, like, how did we get to this point? And there's a lot that happens when Michael's in the sanitarium that is in that book. And a lot of it ends up in the Rob Zombie movie, oddly enough, uh, Anthony, because he borrowed a bunch from it. But mm-hmm. he talks a lot about the climbing on the car and all and the animalistic part, all that stuff. And like it's it's too much if it was in a movie, but when you read it and you're reading it in a dark room, listening to the Halloween soundtrack, it can be a very scary experience. <laughs> I'll just put that out there for everybody. So uh, I do recommend consuming it that way if you're going to to get a copy of it and read it. But a lot of that's in there and it's what it was what makes it neat. I mean, it just unfolds a little bit more for you on, on the page. That's awesome. Yeah, so I, it's funny, within the past few months, I was actually looking to get that novel. And they go for hundreds of dollars on eBay. You cannot find a cheap one. But luckily, some uh, selfless soul uploaded a PDF of it for free that I was able to download. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 
again, shout out to all those who have much more time and are more generous than me. You put the movies and the books out there for people to, uh, and the music who for people who can't access these things. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so the next day we return to Haddonfield, Illinois, Halloween, and we meet Lori Strode, who is leaving our house for school. She is done. Uh, she is clearly a she's very conservatively dressed she's very shy she's the she's a tropey virgin as we would call her nowadays even though this film kind of invented that trope right the virgin. i mean come on she's the softer side of willow from sears in season one of buffy that's what she is <laughs> yeah yes that's a good call um and she's leaving for school and her dad wants her to drop off a key at the old myers place because he's showing the house uh later that day and we go to the we she meets up with the kid she babysits tommy doyle who's asking about the boogeyman like people kids keep teasing him that the boogeyman's real and she's like of course the boogeyman's not real tommy and she drops we see the myers house all these years later and it's in a state of disrepair it's abandoned clearly We've talked about this before on the podcast. Every town has that legend, right? Every small town has that legend, that awful house where something happened that you cross to the other side of the street when you pass it. Every city on earth. And yep. this is Haddonfields. It's a Myers house. And Lori puts the key in the door and well, who's standing on the opposite side of the door watching through the window but Michael himself? And that always creeped me out too. <laughs> watching it like just he is like a foot from her and and that's what makes the scary part of this movie so scary is if you can just put aside everything you may know about the series and the sequels and everything else if you're just watching this for what it is he just randomly picks her out why because she drops a key off at the house that's what well, makes this so scary you know mm -hmm. well I do ignore the rest of the series because 2018 confirmed that it was just a random <laughs> event. Well, she was not his sister. My, my counter to that is then they replay all the cool things from all the sequels <laughs> they want you to ignore. But that's okay. That that, I, that is also 100% <laughs> true. Yeah, I, I'm down for that, though. I mean, that, that's fine. I, I like it. Dan McBride said it best. It is the Choose Your Own Adventure horror series. And I'm cool it's, for that. I'll be, yes, I, I can. Some days I want to do some Cult of Thorn action. It's oh. a multiverse, right? You have like yeah. four different paths you can take. Exactly, yeah. But I'll say, I'll say this scene is also crystallizes for me a problem of Michael Myers and the Rob Zombie version, Jay. He is too much of a hulking monster in that version. Yeah, like when he's lurking in windows or on the street, there is no way you could avoid him. Yeah. Like this Look, scene in I'm, that remake, he yeah. is literally, you can see him over the door and she I, doesn't notice him at all. Yeah, I'm between 6'1 and 6'2 as a person. I've always kind of been a tall guy, you know, at least relatively tall, you know, right? I'm not a basketball player, but I can't lurk anywhere. And you you don't lurk when you're six nine. I don't, I'm sorry, you just don't. It's, I, I had an uncle who was six nine. Happen. He didn't. He didn't. He lurched. He didn't lurk anyway. So. <laughs> so. Um, so Lori goes to school, and we meet her friend group. We meet Annie Brackett, the sheriff's daughter, and Linda, totally Vanderclock, who is <laughs> kind of the uh, promiscuous one. We'll call her. I, I mean, both of the friends are promiscuous. I mean, this is really where that 
trope started about the virgins. You escape death if you're a virgin. And it's funny because John Carpenter and Deborah Hill have said many times over the years, they did not consciously set out to depict virginity as a way of defeating a rampaging killer. <laughs> the reason why the horny, horny teens all die is simply they're preoccupied with getting laid, that they don't notice the killer at large, whereas Laurie spends a lot of time on her own and is more alert. So I think it's funny that this whole trope <laughs> emerged from this film um but isn't that the thing about tropes just in general anyway is they're never created on purpose like if you right. try to make a thing like if you try to you make fetch it. happen it's not going to happen it's never <laughs> you know that's that's the point yep exactly and i love this scene in the english class in school where laurie's daydreaming her teacher's talking about fate and laurie's daydreaming look out the window and across the street you just see Michael Myers standing just behind a car, staring into the window at her. Mask, creepy mask, expressionless face. And Laurie looks and she finds it a little strange. She's called on by her teacher, turns back to the window, and he's gone. This teacher. And, oh. Huh? This teacher, though. Like, this teacher. <laughs> She's like the worst. You never, you don't see her, do you? No, she's, she's definitely like the, the Charlie Brown, Brown teacher. Yeah, she's the Charlie Brown teacher. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh man, she can't even read act. It's terrible. But she's talking about fate. You can't change fate. And fate is unchangeable. And by the way, fate can't be changed. And it's also unchangeable. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> what's fate? Oh, it's unchangeable. Oh, okay. Fate's unchangeable. It's very, it's very Calvinist, which is kind of not what I expected from a horror movie, but there we are. <laughs> it's just, oh, it was, it was cringe. It made me laugh, though. This, I'm a little, I had to put my Tom hat on because there were a few moments where I was like, really? Like, really? And I had to remind myself it's 78, and that was probably some of the budget. But that made me laugh. But yes, very creepy. Seeing all the places he was, like... So without seeing Halloween first, I was thinking he was the lurking stranger, right? He was always in the shadows. Yeah. I knew it was a lot of walking, but I never in a million years thought when watching this that he would have been right there at the school when the boys were fighting and just like there in full daylight. And like yeah, that grabs that kid. When yeah. he grabs a kid, that scene always gets me. Yeah. That was very surprising to me that he though. was not lurking in the shadows the entire time. Extra scary. I, I mean, even when Lori's home a few minutes later and looks out her window and he's standing amongst the bed sheets in the backyard, yeah. hanging out to dry, like yeah. yeah. So or behind uh, the behind the bush, the whole all of it. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. just he's just watching. Yeah. So it's funny because on the way, just on the way home, you know, the girls are joking around or whatever. And he's like, is this where he's in the car or following them on foot? Is it the remake where they say speed it's, kills? or is is, it They say it in both, but he, he's following them on foot in the Rob Zombie remake. He does not drive in the Rob Zombie one. He right. like made a big deal. Because like, everybody was like, how did he learn how to drive? And. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a throwaway line in this movie where Loomis is like somebody probably taught him or whatever. That's actually in the book. The, the, the cool there's two really cool passages of the novelization. I'll just tell everybody about now. One is which where they have like a Halloween party for the kids. This is after he's been there a year or two, 
and yeah. this girl goes bobbing for apples and all of a sudden she starts to drown just uncontrollably and you don't know why and what you realize is, is like michael is sort of doing it to her from mental ways or whatever <laughs> like he's just got in her head and it's freaked her out and he manipulates people to let him have a lot more access than he's supposed to have around there and there's oh, a wow. whole bit about where he got somebody to teach him how to drive the car and so that's you know they don't do that in the movie obviously because it's too much to freaking explain and they got you know less than a hundred thousand dollars to do this crap with but that's that's in the it's it's in there if you want to know that it's there but i think that's that does play into the way that he's played in this movie where he is just kind of sort of lurking about places where nobody notices him until you do notice him and you're like how does that how do you do that because you're really sly and manipulative and so that's the whole thing here is he's not it's before he's you know this supernatural whatever it's that he's just so creepy and evil that he just can slide between the raindrops right yeah he is oh he is like an icon a horror icon he is and when watching this movie you can see why he is very creepy but the girls on their walk home devise a plan like like um Linda's babysitting. No, Linda is sneaking out to have sex with her boyfriend later, and Annie wants to do the same, but she's babysitting. So later on, she plans on dropping the girl, Lindsay Wallace, off with Laurie so she can get some time with her uh, boyfriend. And Laurie's little Miss Goody Two Shoes, what if we're caught? Whatever. And they make fun of her a lot. Like, they're not really the best friends to her <laughs> in the few screen minutes they actually all share together. Um, and they tease her constantly about a boy she herself likes that, you know, you should ask to the dance or get him to ask you to the dance. Um, typical teenage stuff from the 70s and 80s. Um, and the whole time, again, Michael is <laughs> following them. Uh, we meet Annie's dad, the sheriff, who drives by and offers. No, I can get in this movie. No, they drive by. Now. They drive by him while the alarm's going off. Yeah, so they drive by him. <laughs> yeah, outside the hard, the hardware store, which as a kid I didn't even connect the hardware store to Michael Myers, but that's why he broke in. That's where he got the mask in the night. You didn't connect um, the fact that what was missing from the store Halloween mask. When I was a really young kid and, and saw and for the knives, first time, I was I'm like. That's a I was too bummer. <laughs> I know exactly who broke into that place. But right, I mean, I, I, I'm at a great disadvantage as well because I know the story before actually seeing the story. So I could see how that would be innocuous if you're, you know, if you're fresh. A kid who's just getting into horror yeah. and like no, watching behind his pillow. Yeah. I wasn't going to The the fun part of it though is to is when you rewatch this movie and you see all the many places Michael is where you don't necessarily see him the first time around. Yes. Like, I mean, it's so close. Like Loomis turns over one shoulder and then the light turns or the roundabouts just right and Michael's able to go through. It's like, well, you just, like he's just right there. And but I mean, isn't that how life goes too? And I mean, again, again, being a true crime fan. Like you hear these cops talk about all the time. Like, yeah, we interviewed that guy 48 times and we had no idea he buried some people in the report. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's right in front of you. Sometimes you never know until you're, until you're right there. 
So, yeah, and Loomis, you brought up Loomis. Loomis, he's back in Haddonfield because he knows that he's returning home. He has this hunch. He knows. And first he stops by the cemetery and sees dead fox on, like, a cross. The grave is missing. Uh, Judith Meyer's tombstone is missing. And it's funny because the cemetery, the cemetery, the undertaker's like, eh, kids will be kids. Because you can haul off like a one-ton tombstone like that, no problem at all. <laughs> and then um, we see Loomis outside the hardware store. He really wants to talk to the sheriff. And the sheriff says, you know, give me some time. And eventually when they do talk, Loomis is like, hey, Michael Myers is coming home and... You need to take this threat seriously because he's pure evil. And Brackett doesn't believe him at first, but he's like, you know what? We'll patrol the streets and Loomis is going to go away at Michael Myers' house for him to yeah. return that night because he thinks he's heading home. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> I do love that scene later on where uh, the kids are outside in the bushes and Loomis is like, get your ass away from here, like from the <laughs> from the bushes scaring the kids away <laughs> um you have to stop cussing so, if i'm editing this dude i cussed once dude it's the it's the um <laughs> the thing about it that makes it work is that th- there's a lot of this movie where it's just people walking around in the dark like there's, it's just the music playing and, you know, the dialogue as Julia's already noted, is not exactly, you know, top notch, uh, cinema here, um, or thespian work. I mean, it's a bunch of like, totally my boyfriend would be here and you know, all this kind of stupid stuff. And that's, I mean, again, they wrote it around like who their friends were. So if these people sound like they're in their late twenties or thirties talking, it's because those are people that were that old wrote it. And (laughs) they they just kind of went with what they knew, you know, but that's what makes it, makes it so relatable is because that's not even the important part. Like that's all just kind of throw it because it's watching Michael stalk these people to no end, you know, Mm -hmm. really. And you, you, and it's when the sun goes down. It's when you realize like how creepy everything can get with them. Like it's it's pretty nuts to how how intense it gets. And I don't know. I I just always I, I get lost in this part of the movie because it's it's a fun game to play. Like again, how many times they miss him mm-hmm. when they should have him, or how like distracted we all are in our own lives. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm recording this from my office late at night here. I'm going to walk across the campus I work on, um, to, you know, get to my car and I'm going to be having screen two flashbacks of, of <laughs> Windsor college because at night after a certain point in time, it's a pretty creepy place to be on a college campus. And so, <laughs> and having talked about Halloween with y'all for a couple hours, I'll definitely be like, Hmm, let's dial up some, uh, space girls on the iPods <laughs> get to work or whatever, what? you know, some, well, some Jay, I really hope this doesn't turn into a true crime podcast next week where we talk right, about yeah. we the should last... not have let Jay stay in his office so late talking horror movies. <laughs> the, last, the last words well, of this moron were this. Well, I mean, that would be how I would go. But no, I mean, that's... Hold that's on. The we got to pause for just a second. We got to pause for just a second so Anthony can go ahead and order his DoorDash. Yeah. Order that pizza, Anthony. We need, <laughs> we need that... Uh, we need that... Uh, we need that alibi. That's perfect. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> But, but no, that's the neat part of, the, of of this part of the movie when it all is, you're just getting all of the, I'm telling you, he's coming. You know, uh, uh, 
Loomis has found the dead uh, mechanic guy, you know, on the side of yep. the road. And there's, you know, the little clues, the, this, that, and the other. And it's neat to sort of see the detective work start to come together. And then you see this relationship build between this sheriff and this doctor. And what I love about Charles Cipher's uh, portrayal here is like, I'm going to do this because I kind of have to, but I'm really annoyed by you <laughs> and all your yammering on and on about this. It's just not there. I love that. And then, you know, to, to realize that in the end he was right is you know, what we all know, but it's, it's the funny part. But there's enough good comedy in here too. Though, like the whole bit about, you know, scaring the kid at the door and like, who hasn't tried to do something like that? Right. Just to mess with people. It's, it's right. Funny. Yeah, and I and I'll point out, Jay. One of the things I think Rob Zombie actually improved upon, improved upon in his remake was the Loomis bracket relationship. I really liked that, and I liked too that he kind of made Michael's trigger for breaking out that specific night. Loomis giving up on him because they right before he breaks out, they have that conversation in the sanitarium. Like it's been 30 years. This is the longest relationship I've had in my life. Longer than my past two marriages. How messed up is that? And he's like, but I can't do it anymore. You won't speak. You haven't spoken a word in years. And I'm sorry. I just can't. And then Michael breaks out in the next scene and you're like, Oh, that last person, the last connective tissue in his life just gave up on him. And yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll say this about the Rob zombie remakes. Like they're definitely a different, breed a film or whatever but if you watch those understanding that the thing he was most interested in making is the front two-thirds of that movie i mean it's it's an interesting you know mental exercise and oh this is probably what it was like for this kid going from killing the spy kids kid to you know being the hulking monster that we know which that's brutal but i mean really like that I, it is neat to see like oh that's probably what it was like in the sanitarium and that whole giving up bit you're right because we don't get any of that here because again they didn't know what this was they were just, it was just i mean donald pleasance only did this because his daughter thought assault on precinct 13 was brilliant and like yep. he told Carpenter that he's like, I don't get this script. I don't know what this is supposed to be. My daughter thinks your other movie's good. I didn't even see it, but okay. You know? And, <laughs> and so he asked him and, and all Pleasant's told him was like, all I can see is that this guy's kind of like Van Helsing. So do you want me to play it like that? He said, yeah, do that. Cause Carpenter didn't have any other better ideas. And it worked. <laughs> you know it what a great, you know, but that was back in the day. I don't know that we live in this day anymore with actors, where they're not just sort of sculpted piece by piece, scene by scene through things anymore. There may be a few out there, but like back in those days, if you were a director, you needed your actor to come to you and go, here's what this thing is. Like make, right. make that come to life for me, you know? And uh, I mean, George Lucas will tell you now, he never directed a single person of those first three Star Wars movies. <laughs> I mean, he didn't know what any of that was. And Harrison that's Ford will shocking. tell you like now too, he's like, those are us. He's like, that's me, Mark and Carrie. He's like, cause he didn't know what to do. He just said, say it faster, you know? <laughs> and, but that's, that's kind of neat to see a, an era of acting. And we're talking about the end of the seventies here when the Arthur filmmaker, like was about to get replaced by the studio. And still is yeah. to this day. We don't have those anymore. There's a few living out there, right? And it's neat to see it. So, you know, this this is a, you know, Carpenter gets a lot of credit for this, and he should. But you see the collaborative effort it was to just get this together. I mean, just all, right. all these different people had to bring something into it. And, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, too. Because, as we said, she's very much playing against who she is as a person. And so that's a challenge for her. And I, I haven't gotten to know a lot of actors in the last few years. 
it's fun to hear them talk about kind of getting into a role and try to finding the role and all that stuff. And I think it's just, it would have been a neat exercise to try to do something that is not you. Yeah, absolutely. And to Donald Pleasance's credit as well, like he might not have known what he was signing up for, but he became the face of the franchise. So like more so than anyone else, because he was in every sequel for oh, the most he, part until he I died. I think he said he would have stopped doing them at like part 38 or something like that. Oh, he, <laughs> you know why he kept doing them though, man? Because you know what? They paid him pretty good to do these movies. And so he yeah. was like, yeah, you know what? You want me to come and run around a sanitarium? I'm 95 years old. Sure. I've seen part six in theaters. It's a sad moment, but I was there. Donald Pleasant was still there. And Paul Rudd. Wonderful and Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Tommy Wallace. Paul yep. Rudd. Good yep. old Paul Rudd. So... Before Clueless Kids, that's what I knew him from was Halloween <laughs> 6. <laughs> so it is Halloween night now. Loomis and Brackett are on patrol for Michael Myers. Brackett, reluctantly. Julia, where are our girls now? What is happening with all of them? Take it from here. Each girl trying to manipulate time with their boyfriends. So, and I don't I don't know the names like you do. One of them actually shores up time with her boyfriend, right? Like it's set in stone. They're going to get together. They're seeing each other. We're super excited. The other one is trying to get to that point. So she's talked to him. She's going to go pick him up. She's got to drop a little sister off. <clears throat> so they're orchestrating. And Jamie Lee Curtis is left as the one that gets to babysit <laughs> while they are saying in the back end, oh, by the way, come with us. And we've got you all lined up for a date with what's his name? <clears throat> excuse me so who do we have first we have annie first she's the short brunette brunette right yep. okay so she has a whole section where she's on the phone with her boyfriend she's on the phone with jamie lee curtis she's she's doing that whole okay what can I, what do i need to do who do i need to talk to to get this to happen you be here at this time i'll pick you up you take the kid we'll do that and she's got to do some laundry because inexplicably butter sprays all over her clothes, which gets us her in a nice long sleeve white t-shirt that she just continues to wear as if it are, as if it is an outfit that is appropriate for any consumption whatsoever out in public life and knee high socks. And so I'm <laughs> boggled by this, but I'm like, it's the seventies and it's a horror flick. So I'm game. Um, as you said during scream boobs they're throwing boobs everywhere boobs everywhere and this yeah this is it (laughs) boobs everywhere and so she um she has to do a little laundry because like butter stains she has to go to do some laundry do it right now i mean okay so this was actually legit creepy when she's on the phone in the kitchen and it's a galley kitchen which is what my kitchen was in houston um, so it, I could resonate with this feeling. And she's going from sink to the other side of the galley. And she's on the phone. So you're distracted by what she's saying. And she's giddy. And she's, you know, yucking it up. And as she pans back to the different sides of the kitchen, like the first time, nothing changes. The second time, like that door opens up to outside. And the curtain's blowing. And it's wonderful. It this It really is. The... The visual elements of this movie were probably what surprised me so much that it wasn't just in your face like I fully expected a horror flick to be because that's my experience, right? Um, So you're building tension and you know Michael's around. So she goes to do laundry and kind of the same thing, right? 
you see her in some situation. She gets stuck in a window because she's she locks herself in. <laughs> oh, I don't understand I mean, how the locks happens. work, honestly. But she locks herself in. She's screaming at her sister, who's totally engrossed in the television, to come get her and help her out. And she's halfway trapped in a window. And you think initially, oh, here's where it happens, right? She's like sitting duck. Doesn't happen at this moment. Um, but what does happen? He kills the dog. He does kill the dog. Totally not He's, cool. Yeah. The dog starts barking and they let him outside. Right. And you see the dog barking <coughs> at a pair of legs. And then he slowly picks up the dog and you off screen he strangles them and yeah he's dead i mean psychopath he is a true psychopath <clears throat> so she makes it out of the laundry room alive with her little sister and they come over to back into the house and they decide hey we're going over to jamie the curtis's because i need to pawn you young child sister off on somebody else so i can go hook up with my boyfriend um so she <laughs> Gives her little sister to Jamie Lee Curtis. And then does the next part of the plan. She gets in the car. She's going to go hook up with her boyfriend. Go pick him up. Because apparently he doesn't drive. I don't understand this. It's a very anti-horror flick. That the guy is not the one. Well, right. he's an alcoholic. So I well, so I think well, he probably he did, lost his he, license, right? Yeah, or something like that. Like he finds a way to get out after his parents have grounded him or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's like this whole thing with Eddie and Paul that's just. It's always been amazing, but the cool parts about that are, again, how unaware she is of everything going on around her, right? As she comes yeah. out, the car's locked, she goes back, get the keys, and what? Oh, uh-oh, it's unlocked. She is oblivious. She's oblivious. So and... she gets in her car, and this is our what kill. If we don't count animals, this is what number human kill. And if we don't count the past, Two. if we count the night of then it's the second one of the night because he's killed the the mechanic that's presumably and then this person so this is our first really visual kill in the movie current day yes first one we see that's right so he strangles her in the car and well well before she does i this visual is awesome because she's in the car and like when you're in a car the windows start fogging up and she and she's confused because she just got in the car and she like wipes her hand so nice yeah, and then it's that's so when he nice. lunges out from behind the back seat and strangles her. Yeah, that so was good. very, very nice. I was very impressed by that as well. It's like the characters themselves have no depth whatsoever, but the situations around them building up to, like, it's the Michael stuff that lends the depth. So it was very interesting to me. But that was wonderful. So, and she's screaming and she's honking the horn, um, and nobody hears her because, of course, they don't hear her. Yeah. Nobody hears her. So Jamie Lee Curtis now has two kids with her and no idea her friend has eaten it. The knife, you mean? So the, no, no knife in this one. Hands. Wait, didn't he have a knife? Um, okay, he had so a knife behind have... her too, didn't he? And that's when she went, uh, or did I just imagine that? Well, no, I thought he, he does. Just he just slice her throat. Oh, he does. Very end. Like the last yeah. sting is, it's hard to see in that foggy thing because again, this movie's made in the Jeep. <laughs> right. Um, so they, yeah, he, he does. He does have to slice her throat because Annie doesn't go down easy. Like no. she's kicking and screaming and as you would expect her to do. Right. Right. And, right. But when, the way she dies and like leans over and falls on that horn. I mean, it's yeah. like, 
and like he just doesn't care it's like oh i guess i should stop her from doing that it's really loud you know <laughs> and, and that's it you know he really doesn't this is, movie also isn't very gory it's not near the gore i think i was expecting yeah, I right. didn't have the money for it. Like, that's the that, honest truth. Okay, like, I wonder. Carpenter will tell you now. Like, I, we would have. We just didn't have any money. Yeah. So, like, there was but no see, way to I, make that work. I like that <laughs> because it mm-hmm. leaves so much to the imagination. Well, why yeah. didn't they use just use like, corn syrup like in theory? Well, they didn't. They didn't even have the money for that. Like, that's oh, the I've... trick. And and the funny thing is, like, too, if you think about like. Um, if you think about like the way some of these classic horror movies or whatever thriller movies are made, it's the death that they didn't have the money or they didn't get the effect to work that makes it work. Like if Jaws had been made the way it was written, it would have been Jaws too. But it, the shark didn't work, so we have the brilliance that is that movie, right? With all the barrels and, and whatnot. But if it had been the way it was supposed to be, it would have been Jaws too with that shark killing people every three seconds, and you'd see it all the time. So, and and again, they do this in the later Halloween movies. They make it a lot gorier because, and that's the funny thing about like the of all the movies that were inspired by Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth is the most like unabashedly not afraid to say oh we were totally ripping that off we just did halloween in the woods i mean they are the same killer Jason they, they did i mean they, they said we're just gonna do halloween in the woods but we're gonna have a lot more blood and <laughs> the, you know that that was their one thing with sean cunningham was like no we gotta have the blood and so they spent the money on the the Cairo and the food coloring you know so i love this now annie's dead in the garage and that's when linda and her boyfriend show up bob because that was part of the plan Annie was going to go out to have sex with her boyfriend and leave the house empty for linda and bob like these girls are devious of their planning she's lucky parents didn't come home and find these other strange kids in their house having sex i mean anyway. there are no adults in this town in this night none they're all at the hocus pocus dancing party apparently because like there is not a single <laughs> yeah. adult anyway yeah i'm like what's what 70s swinger party are all these parents right i mean there, so, yeah there's ew. a bowl with keys and it's just like a whole thing i mean because they're right. not, not exactly they are not not to mention around. like and i know it's a budget thing and this is why but like this town for halloween night and for a movie called halloween there are no halloween decorations anywhere no. except for like oh there's nothing there, there are no kids nothing. Nothing. and i know that's a budget yeah, yeah, you're right though. They, they, but they didn't even think about like we should just have some random kids trick or treating. They had a few, but like nobody else. Yeah, and it was curious. So it, but like that's what I loved about the twenty eight treating either. And I'm yeah, like, am I missing? But they were something? yeah. But I love the twenty eighteen version because the twenty eighteen version direct sequel to this, they had the budget, so Haddonfield looks glorious in its fall and halloween decor it's like halloween and i was like yeah i know carpenter wanted to do something like this there was no budget to do it but yeah yeah it's glaringly obvious for a movie called halloween yeah there's no halloween in halloween yeah that's that's the funny part of it so right so ditzy friend breaks in not breaks in she goes to the house because it's empty and her and her boyfriend get it on and you've got a you've got a phone ringing intermittently that they can't answer because then oh my gosh what if it's the people that own the house so don't answer it how annoying (laughs) is that now let's just take it off the hook because that's a fantastic idea in the case you know need to be warned that something terrible is happening and so they do the deed boobs everywhere and boyfriend (laughs) 
you know, does. Well, he goes down to get beer. But when he goes downstairs, he says, I'll be right back. Which made me laugh with glee because of Scream. Um, <laughs> of course, watching it in its original state, though, you just would have been like, well, yeah, that's what you would say. I'll be right back. So he heads downstairs <laughs> to wrestle up some beer and we defy the laws of physics. And Michael gets him in the kitchen and with very little thrusting motion, manages to pin him suspended midair with a kitchen knife against the cabinets. Not going to happen. Most impressive. The strength of the knife, as well as the lack of thrust that Michael had to use to gore him right through the It's middle. not going to happen, but talk about a beautiful shot. It was of lovely. Michael, the, like the, mo- the moonlight <clears throat> filtering through and just a head tilt Michael does yes. at, when he's staring at the body, like looking at it curiously. Yeah, you've got like that art. backlight effect where you really just see this because he's not bloody. You see the silhouette with the knife and he's suspended. So his feet are dangling, which is wonderful. And it puts him at a higher frame than it does Michael, even though Michael's a big old boy, right? And it is beautiful. It's that same galley kitchen. So it's a very narrow shot. But, and you linger a long time on that scene and it's wonderful and it's extremely unsettling. And it was- So I- I I do have to ask, because I don't know this off the top of my head, Jay, was that head tilt Nick Cave's idea? Not Nick Cave. Um, Nick Castle. Nick Castle's idea, or was that John Carpenter's idea? I, it wasn't Nick Castle's idea. It, I, Carpenter says it, sometimes he says it's his, but in more recent years, he said that a lot of that is Deborah Hill. Who Deborah Hill for years just took credit for writing like the girl dialogue in this because that was what she knew, right? But a lot of the subtlety is her. Because uh, Carpenter, look, I love the guy. I think he's an incredible you know, director. We talked about some of his movies. He's not subtle. This is kind of not what he does. Like musically he is, but not directorially. So that's probably more of a Deborah Hill thing than anybody. But it's in the script. It's actually in there that, like, Michael stays and looks at it. And it's supposed to be that Michael is so tied to Halloween. Like, that's a thing for him because that's when he murdered his sister. It's kind of when he broke psychologically, you know, whatever. That he's, like, making his own Halloween decorations. That's what the idea is. Rob Zombie played with that a lot more in his version. But that's what this is supposed to be is that, like, I made my own decor. I want to look at it. But that that head tilt, you're right, Julie. That that whole thing, like you talk about something as iconic as anything, that's what Michael Myers does. Mm-hmm. Like how many other killers have pulled that off in a movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghostface. Ghostface does that all the time. Yeah. Every version of Ghostface <laughs> does it. And it's because it's just a thing that why I mean, if you're not gonna talk, because Freddie had the talk and Jason was just freaky and big. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You you tilt your head, you know, and and they they'll play that throughout all the sequels too. So, but yeah, that it's pretty pretty cool to see. Well, and it really makes him appear childlike as well, right? Because so, so the height of the dead body makes him appear shorter, so he's looking up at it, and then the head tilt it, it makes it extra creepy because like there's nothing more terrifying to me than psychopathic children in movies like this, and so that was very nice. <laughs> So I love this next part. Okay, so Linda, <laughs> Linda is upstairs. She just gets off the phone with Laurie. You know, basically like you know, wondering where Annie was, and also Laurie had called to find out what happened to Annie. Yeah. 
nobody knows what happened to her because she didn't call. She's supposed to be picking up Lindsay at some point. Um, they don't know she's dead. And Lori hangs up, the, <laughs> Linda hangs up the phone as who she believes is Bob comes back into the room dressed as a ghost. What the glass? So Michael Myers took the time to get a sheet, cut out the eyes, put the glasses on. Just to trick her. (laughs) Just to trick her. And she's at first like, well, well, bring me the beer. Silence. And she's like, you like what you see? And she pulls down the, you know, sheets to show her boobs and nothing. She's like, well, come on, give me the beer. And he just holds it out. <laughs> and she gets so annoyed. She gets up, you see, mm-hmm. like, full on, full frontal and back nudity from this girl. She grabs the beer. <laughs> she grabs the beer from him annoyed, starts insulting him as she turns around. And that's when Michael whips off the sheet and <laughs> grabs her and kills her. Strangles and- her with the, with the can't do it today telephone cord. Right. It literally yeah. can wrap Coded around your kitchen island twice to be legitimately yes. adequate, right? Just like wraps it. And Lori, though, is on the other end of the line still, and she, she hears thinks like, it's something else. Noise, and she's that's right. She th- yeah, she thinks her and Bob are back at that's it, right. but no. But she is suspicious of it, so she goes. She does. This is when she goes back across mm-hmm. to the. She starts making her way across the street to find out what happened to her friends. But I do just want to point out (laughs) again, how ridiculous this scene was in the Rob Zombie remake, because again, Tyler Maine, who played Michael Myers in the remake was like seven feet tall compared to Linda's five foot five boyfriend. And she didn't realize it was a different guy under the sheet. That made me laugh so much. Yeah, it's like, but, again, that's why I say, like, the, the movie Rob Zombie was interested in making is the first two-thirds of that movie. The back end was what he had. <laughs> what they said, if you're doing a Halloween like, movie, you're doing like Halloween. You, if you got to actually make Halloween in this movie, Rob, okay. And so that's what he did. But yeah, I mean, you can tell. Like, it, the, the last 30 minutes of that movie are this movie all in fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's like, hey, just to get through it, it's just because, you know, you can tell, so... If you really want to know what Rob Zombie thinks of Halloween, just as a, a diverge for a minute, watch Halloween 2. Watch the director version of it. The theatrical is awful. Watch part two of Rob Zombie's. I will not sit here and tell you it is a good Halloween movie, but it is the proto version of all of this elevated horror junk that people are just stuff that people love, hereditary, all this crap now. Rob Zombie was doing that way ahead of time, and it made everybody mad, including me um, at the time, because I thought it was it was terrible. But if you watch it now, it's like you know what he's he's saying something. It's the most original thing he had to say about about Halloween is in that second one. It's definitely his movie. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. But but no, you're right. I mean, it it is all this like creepy things. And the thing I think that's neat about this is that Michael Myers doesn't have just one way of killing people. You know. He stabs you. He hangs you on the wall. He strangles you. He really does. Ex- you know, whatever. It's just whatever he sort of nearby. You know, pushes himself. <laughs> pushes himself as an finding his way. Diversify. There we go. Well, you know, if we go, if we go with the uh, the uh, decoration motif, then yeah, that's what he's you know, psychologically he's working out his medium. I mean, yeah, he, that's a little far probably for what they were. Thinking. He was he was six years old in the beginning of this film. It's fifteen years later. He's 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 that's what twenty one. So he's in college. Who who doesn't experiment with things in college, right? So <laughs> this guy he's going through his college phase. <laughs> so it's fairly the seventies. I'm not asking. I mean, come on. 
Especially, yeah, exactly. Especially <laughs> in the 70s. I'm not asking questions about um, Anthony was so Lori, in college. It's a whole it's a podcast after dark Patreon episode. Now, but that was the... <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be like a super level to get that, that was one. Be- <laughs> that was before you released any excrement into strangers' apartments, right? If I remember correctly. Oh my gosh! I never said that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> so Laurie goes across the street, and this is where she finds her friends' bodies and yeah. Judith's headstone upstairs in the bedroom, and she freaks out. Runs into the hallway, and this is where Michael appears in the dark. The, the, yeah, this is my this is my whole Halloween trickster idea here. Is that he set all that up? And I mean, if you think about it, like with any sort of logic, you're like, what are the odds she's going to go place to place, and all of like the body's going to open at the right spot, and everything? Like he, it's like the most perfect you know Halloween maze he created for, and he's in the back going like, yes, she found the first girl. <laughs> You know, it's, I mean, it is it is ridiculous. But if you're if you get yourself lost, and again, watch this movie in the dark. You know, you get lost in that in the music and in the eeriness of it. You, like I love that she doesn't like just freak out and scream when she sees the girl dead on the bed because she's literally in shock. She doesn't know what she's looking at, and that's what's cool about mm-hmm. it. Now I believe this is a scene, right? This first scene where he appears to her that's like that iconic shot of just yeah, the white that, that mask coming out of the darkness that, yeah that is a two dollar dimmer on a three dollar light bulb nice. y'all that's dean cundy because he said we need something because he was just supposed to come out of the back and he was like we need something and he came up with that and all anybody on the set said was like wow man that's weird and you know <laughs> and then they you know they passed the joint and moved on to the next shot <laughs> but because Everybody was high on this set. Don't let anybody tell you any difference. Um, they all were. Everybody was. But, but that's what, I mean, that again, that iconic thing. I mean, they replayed it in the 2018, you know, kind of badly because they did it with a computer instead of a real light bulb mm-hmm. for reasons. Because mm-hmm. you can, I guess, whatever. But, I mean, you, you can tell, like, this. there's just some artistry about that. It's like, God, that he's so creepy. And, I mean, like, my screensaver during this time of year is the the half lit michael myers mask it's that it's that somebody made a you know a screen out of it and i throw it up on my screens this time of year because it's just a cool shot mm-hmm. it's one of the coolest looks you'll ever see for a three dollar halloween mask of william shatner painted white you know that's it works yeah so. and what another cool shot is what happens now so he she laurie falls over the banister because she's so shocked after he like slits her arm and i love when she's running down the street limping and you see michael come out of the house and just calm as anything just walking behind her just stalking and goes back to your point julia laurie's screaming bloody terror screaming for help not a soul is out on halloween night no one's coming out of their houses nothing (laughs) um so what happens if she gets back home to the kids well, she's pounding on the door she for kills one, him. so there's some anxiety built around. Or so she thinks. <laughs> trying to get into her house. Um, but the kid who's terrified of the boogeyman comes down, lets her in just in time. She turns around, locks the door, and thinks that's going to stop Michael, which of course doesn't because he knows how to open every unlocked door and window that exists in this town, which is all of them. They're all unlocked. Well, there is a window <laughs> open. That, yes. that's like obviously open there and when she sees it it's like oh, oh crap you know and 
it's a great moment when she gets him with the knitting needle mm -hmm. and like again it's one of those happenstance moments where he misses her on the couch and i like i've always been like he's in the dark with a mask on it's yeah. how you know at this point he's still human because he he missed her like you you wouldn't see someone in a dark living room if you were aiming at him with a knife from behind the couch mm -hmm. i don't think right. so. Did you guys see, uh, hear that story from a few years ago at Comic-Con when the 2018 version of this movie came out, where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was not confronted by, but a victim of a home invasion talked to her? No. Did you guys see this? He talked to her and said he survived that night because of Halloween. Like, he hid in the closet, had the knitting needle. No like, way. Stuck wow. it, like, and all in his mind, he was just like, gotta be like Laurie Strode. Gotta be like Laurie Strode. And that's yeah, nuts, it was, man. Wow. Crazy but, story. Google it later. Can, but, but yeah, that's the cool part about Laurie Strode, though, right? Is that, I mean, she calls herself a Girl Scout. Then she actually does, like, Girl Scout stuff. Like in, in the, like yeah. you know, before Nancy ever Ramboed up in Nightmare, which is I think is why I never latched out because I saw this first and then I watched Nightmare and I'm like, oh, they're just kind of ripping that off. Even at nine, I knew that. Like you, you could see it. Like it was, yeah. But she set herself up as a girl scout. I was a scout as a kid, so anything scout, the word scout, like it would ring in my head. And you know, I'm like, yeah, she she does what a girl scout does or what a boy scout does. She becomes resourceful. You go with what you have around you. Yeah. You know, the that the coat hanger all of it and that's another iconic shot too she stabs him in the neck with the knitting the eye and then the neck with the knitting needle knitting needle and she thinks he's dead and as she's crying just oh hugging the kids 90 okay. degrees okay. hugging the kids it's okay yep Killed just him. 90 degree angle he sits up oh that yeah that that shot great core yeah. i'm like at first i'm like man <laughs> I, i'm gonna have to do some more crunches i can't do that you know um i i've never been able to do that and i was like man that's that's an awesome scene though because you think everything is cool and it's just it's it's not that he just sits up it's that he sits up and then he turns to her yeah and it's like oh <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know it's on at that point yeah. So she, you know, she puts, sends the kids to hide in the bathroom. She goes to the bedroom in the closet. Uh, they get into another altercation. Uh, first, she stabs him. This is where she stabs him in the eye with the clothes hanger, co-hanger. And then she stabs him in the chest with his own knife. And he goes down. She tells Tommy and Lindsay to run down the street to the McKenzie's and call the police, which is what they say in Scream, the opening scene. Um... And after they run out of the house screaming in terror, Michael wakes up again. Lori doesn't notice him at first. And he, as he starts walking toward her, we cut to the street and Loomis sees the kids running down the street, sees where they're running from and runs off to investigate. Gets into the house just in time as Lori and Michael are struggling. She rips off his mask. Now, again, as a kid, I thought, michael was deformed i didn't put to get put his eye with the oh she just stabbed him in the eye and that's why it was like so ah well that's the best part though is he just looks like anybody any normal human yeah, yeah that's the best part and then laurie rips it off and he that's when he lets go of her because he struggles backwards to get back on his face and that's when loomis bursts in and shoots him six times knocking him off the balcony and yeah Lori Yep. Okay, so uh, this is another thing that even I knew as a kid. I'm like, six out of a 38 special is going to do a whole lot more than you. <laughs> you know, like, even I knew at that point, like that's a that's going to be. Like, they, just a lot more. <laughs> they just blew him up. They just blew him up. 
<laughs> I mean, like I had seen an I had seen the clip of the end of Nighthawks at that point, which I know is a different gum, but it's not that different. And Rutger Hauer is a piece of meat. Yeah. At the end of that, spoiler alert for a fifty-year-old movie, which you should all see, by the way, because it's Stallone at some of his best, but uh, actually acting. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm like you would like there would be nothing left like you would just be hanging fringes of fruit at that point uh, but whatever especially after the gunshots and then after falling off the balcony right so, yeah i mean that's the cool thing is he's laying there down and it's like yes evil is defeated he's defeated and then we see not. we see laurie crying and she's like is that the boogeyman and i love dr loomis's response he's like actually my dear I think it was. And then he goes to look over the balcony and that score kicks in and Michael's gone. And then we hear, just hear his breathing as we get all the empty shots of the house. And then we get that look of Loomis. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. Donald Pleasance was like, well, how do you want me to play this? And John Carpenter is like, what do you mean? He was like, well, I can play it like shocked and in horror that he escaped. I didn't kill him. Or I can play it like, I knew this was going to happen. This guy's evil, pure evil. I knew he was going to escape. He wasn't down. And just had that look of res- resolute look on my face, like this is going to continue. And John Carpenter's like, yeah, try it that way. And that's the way that worked. And it makes that ending. Like Dr. Loomis is like, the hunt continues essentially. And then the end. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is you realize when they made this, they had no intention of, I mean, there were not sequels at the time. You just didn't do it. And no one, they didn't have any plan for that. And the horror of it was that you have to walk out of that theater now and he's still out there, you know, like, I mean, and I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of people that watch this in the seventies and like, holy cow. So I asked my folks cause they saw it when it came out. Um, and they said, oh, yeah, it was definitely one of those, like, hold tightly as we run to the car. <laughs> thing, you know? But, yeah, that's that's the movie. And, of course, it spawned a whole series and video games and books and comics and everything. I mean, Michael Myers, Halloween, it's a gold standard for these types of movies. Everyone tries to emulate that magic. Which, it is magic, what they were able to do on such a shoestring budget. So, Julia, first time watching it through, like, in its entirety, what did you think? What are your, like, overall opinions here? Um, So, I was super surprised that it wasn't just, I don't know. I think I was expecting it to be more one note. Um, I thought it'd have a lot of that 70s cheesiness. You say slasher, I hear lots of blood and just repeated stabbing and me rolling my eyes. Um, while the girls' dialogue, specifically, and some of the other dialogue made me roll my eyes. Um, what? I was so surprised <laughs> at how effective the tension building was throughout the entire movie. Um, how... They didn't take the easy road with a cloaked bad guy, right? Who pops out to do the deed and that's it. Um, Surprised me very much. And then the cinematography was just so wonderful to watch. Um, And added to that tension building. You you wouldn't have that success if you didn't have those shots that you put in there for all of that. So 
I was very, very surprised um, and very pleased. I, I don't know that this will launch me into wanting to watch all of the other Halloween movies or not, but I could see this becoming a time appropriate based Annual. on what kids are in the room Halloween core movie to watch every year. Absolutely. I don't think I'll watch this movie with my Well, I mean, ever. I know me and... Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know an adult. I know me and Jay are going to disagree me and Jay are going to disagree on this probably Julia, but I know you just said, I don't know if you'll launch me into watching the others. I would say you don't have to watch all of them. Just watch this new 2018 was a direct sequel. Everything else between them never happened. Just watch them there. Cause 2018 was a really good movie. And I meant to mention Jay, I did love in the 2018 version, how they flipped it how laurie goes off the balcony and when michael goes onto the balcony to look out and see her body she's gone that yeah. was awesome that yeah. was a nice that was a nice my theater finish. went wild well, thanks for the spoiler alert. Mine, mine too that was yeah yeah appreciate that um <laughs> that i mean he's three years old okay. so has that <laughs> has <laughs> the time we're going out on that one i just told um, you I've i'll never watch even anything jamie lee curtis is in <laughs> <laughs> um, I will absolutely watch those um, because I mean I'll watch I'll watch anything Jamie Lee Curtis is in. Um, so that's that's a given. We'll see if any of the others find their way into my Halloween viewing. What about you, Tom? What did you think watching right. this time? Don't love it. Don't hate it. It's okay. Jay, what about you? What are your final thoughts here? Oh, I mean, it, obviously, it's one of my favorite, you know, things ever. Um, but I will, I will admit. I mean, while I can sit here again and give you a reason why you should watch every versions of the sequels and go all the rabbit holes, I ain't gonna sit here and lie to you and tell you it's some great cinematic experience. Um, if you want to do what Anthony says, is watch this sort of new, I guess, quadrilogy now because it'll be this first one and then the new three that they're making. That's a path to go down. I do think it's worth watching the original Halloween 2 from 1981 and then watching Halloween 20 years later. Especially if you liked Scream, H2O is, exists because Scream is a thing. Kevin Williamson is all over that movie. Don't follow any of the other paths, I would say, because you get a resolution there that's pretty satisfactory. Um, and there's a great YouTube video of Jamie Lee Curtis from some con in like 2013 talking about how Halloween 20 years later kind of got taken out of her hands and how she would never do one of these again. This was until, you know, recently. So it's funny to hear, but anyway, um, for this movie though, again, there's so many things that this movie is pulling from that it, it came from, but there's so, I mean, like the list of things that inspired, even not horror movies is amazing. And it, it modern thriller cinema exists on really playing off of two tropes who done it and music you can't get out of your head and the funny <laughs> thing about the original halloween is that it's the music you can't get out of your head but it's never a who done it unlike the scream movies or even the original friday the 13th you know a couple of them in and the nightmare on Elm street movies you don't know anything about who the killer is you know who the killer is from the get-go here and you kind of know why he's doing it for, they don't over explain any of it. That's what makes this movie great is its simplicity. That's mm -hmm. its strength. 
And yes, that's when it, you know, it, it, it furls itself up into some incredible webs throughout its series. And that's some of the fun to have with it if you get into it. But if you only ever just watch the one, it's totally worth it. So yeah, Halloween 1978 still holds up. I would also recommend too, if you just for a fun exercise, you can look up the clips on YouTube or you, I actually own the DVD of it. You can get it for like four bucks nowadays. They released the television cut of the movie which it's just this movie with the extra scenes they added back in for syndicated television when halloween 2 was getting ready to come out and it's just a little bit more voluminous like in the hospital explaining things and there's a little bit more of that where they tie into the the sister angle and if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about that's worth watching just as a i mean it's not a better version of the movie it extends it by about 10 minutes and it's 10 that you don't need but it's fun to check out and go like oh because there actually is a scene in this which is funny to me having worked in like higher education administration and being around like professors and how they work they're not all that different the way doctors operate is when you get these brainy people in a room and that one of them is trying to explain something that is clearly completely off the wall to the other ones, it is hilarious because Loomis has this whole rant about how this is the most evil thing that's ever existed in front of these two administrators <laughs> that are going, this isn't in the budget, man. Like that's not what we're, you know, like we're, there's no diagnosis for that. It's funny because it's, it's, you know, bureaucracy as we know it. So it's, that's, that's a fun thing to check out sometime, but yeah, Halloween 1978, two thumbs, Four stars, large, extra large popcorn, all the other things that I could say. I mean, yeah, definitely one that's, as I said, is in is is in a bi yearly rotation for me. I watch it in the spring when I'm longing for the fall, and I definitely crank it up every October. I'll just like one more pitch, Julia, for you to watch the 2018 one because, um, like this one is such a the 70s were a simpler time, right? Like the 2018 one has some interesting commentary like there is a line in that one one guy killed three girls like however many years ago why is that news worse things happen every day and there's a little interesting commentary of how like how is michael myers still relevant nowadays or something worse happens every day so it's interesting i'd, I'd recommend it um but yeah jay i echo everything you said this movie i love this movie it's an annual watch for me um <clears throat> This is an. There are two movies I watch on Halloween night itself every year. One is Hocus Pocus, and one is Halloween. They're my two. They're my Halloween versions of Elf. Whereas Elf is my Christmas. Nothing will beat it. It's the one you can watch all the time. Hocus Pocus and Halloween are that for Halloween for me. That's why extra large popcorn with butter and all the trimmings. And in our <laughs> model, a ten. Uh, Julia, I'll say this: model. you need to you need to watch <laughs> Halloween two, the original Halloween two, if for nothing more than to watch Sheriff Brackett have a Linus moment, what? because he totally has one in the first ten minutes of that movie where he realizes, wait, it was all true, like oh it's gosh. it's there. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> what about? I didn't you, think Jim? I could work that in, did you? I, I worked on that all day. Today. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well done. <laughs> What about you, Julian? Tom, score scale of one to ten, and Jay, because you didn't give us your number rating. Ten, yeah, obviously. Six and a half. I'll come in at a seven. Six and a half and a seven. So that gives us seven point eight three, which would put it, if we were ranking these, just a notch above Scream, which was like seven point seven something last week. So that's funny. I will be very curious to see all of our listeners 
reactions and memories of this film because this one is one of those iconic ones. So where can people what where can people do that? And let us well, know. if you're going to be in Aruba, if you were in Aruba last week, hopefully you saw Anthony. But if you're not stalking us in real life, you can always <laughs> stalk us online at tisthepodcast.com slash Facebook Facebook group, which spoiler alert is our coolest place is the coolest place to be our Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, and uh, you can engage with all the people there, or you can give us money at Patreon at tispodcast.com slash Patreon and get bonus episodes of which Mr. J has been on several with us and uh, get yourself some stickers and other cool swag, including a soon coming Christmas card. Ooh. Where? And if you want even more bonus content, check out our Thursday episodes. Um, I wrote a Christmas book uh, called Another Christmas Story. Every week we release an, a chapter via audio in your podcast feeds. Me, Tom, and Julia have read chapters. Mr. J. Skipworth has lent his voice and read a chapter. Ron Hogan, Jerry D., Todd Killian, all of your beloved favorite guests listeners of plenty it's been really fun so check it out that's every thursday through december 23rd when the story ends um and speaking of ending this was the end of that means it's month, november y'all. this is our last that means it's november that means the christmas decorations have gone up and that means we are back to christmas movies starting with santa claus conquers the martians next week and afterwards, what I am really excited for, Ted Lasso's Christmas special. That'll be a lot of fun to cover. I am super excited for that. Jay, again, thank you. Please tell listeners where they can listen to your two podcasts and find you on the interwebs. Well, thank y'all again for having me. It's always a lot of fun to talk with you. It's good to be have all three together, too. I usually get combos of everybody. It's good to have everybody here. Um, you can listen to my podcast that I'm a part of, a Filmstrip Podcast. Just search for that in your podcatcher. We're everywhere. Or go to filmstrippodcast.com. That'll take you to the link where all of them are. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstrippod or on Facebook, Filmstrip Podcast. And if you're into college football and the NFL, you can listen to a show that I'm a part of called The Gridiron Breakdown. Uh, just go to thegridironbreakdown.com and you'll see places where you can watch the video archives of the show and also listen to the audio of it if you like. Uh, everywhere, same places you find all your podcasts. If you're into football and all that, and I promise my, my picks, takes are better than my fantasy football uh, discussion. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but no, um, we'll tell everybody on film strip, you know, every, like I said, every October we do some kind of scary theme. Sometimes they're tied together. Sometimes they're not. We did a fun one this uh, year where we decided to have guests on uh, for every episode. So we had uh, Corey McCullough, Gory Corey, who writes for Fangoria, our youngest guest ever on film strip um, to review starry eyes with me, which was a lot of fun. And then we had, Mike from Amateur Arture Zone to do Hereditary. So we did a little elevated horror. And then Brian and I will get back together and we will review Halloween Kills. Um, that'll be coming up the uh, weekend after it uh, premieres, either in the theater or on Peacock. And then uh, Ron and our friend Mike from Atkins Undisputed did a movie called The Guest, um, which is a, a good one. Maybe one you hadn't heard of, but definitely worth checking out. One that definitely owes a good bit to Halloween, even though it's not a pure horror movie, but it's much more in the true crime realm, I would say, and action stuff. But uh, those are our four pack for this. And then 
Anthony's been on shows with us. Julia Tom have been on shows with us. We'll definitely have you all back again. I know Ron's got some fun stuff planned as we head toward the holiday season uh, as well. So again, Filmstrip Podcast, where you can find us and uh, great on breakdown. And if for some reason you want to follow me, you can go on Twitter. I'm at Jay the Podcaster. That's uh, how you find me, and you'll see lots of tweets about running ridiculous amounts of miles um, or uh, movies I've watched or football stuff and or food that I wish I could still eat. And that's pretty <laughs> much me. So thank y'all again for having me uh, here. I really appreciate it. Oh, we love having no, you. No, thank you so much for coming. Like you are awesome. <laughs> I, I will also, I will also plug as somebody who's been a longtime Patreon of this show, you should do the Patreon folks. It's totally worth it. Support independent podcasting because the celebs came in and took it over and ruined it. Oh. So support independent <laughs> podcasts like this one. Actually, it's funny you mention Patreon because I do want to say one more thing. There's a lot of talk about Rob Zombie's Halloween this episode. This past Wednesday, an episode dropped in which me, Jerry D, Todd Killian, and Michael Crystalman talked Rob Zombie's Halloween remake. And if, if you that want is to, on my weekend run playlist, I am waiting. So. Oh, awesome! <laughs> I, it's a it's a really fun one, um, especially if you're used to Todd. Being Mr. Cheerful and Santa's brother, you have never heard him with the life sucked out of him like yeah. with this movie. I, and heavy, and I, just to tease that Jerry will be on one of the December film strip episodes, I know how much fun that is going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, it's a, it's a blast. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. And yeah. And follow Jay everywhere because Jay's a cool guy. Yeah. Jay's like one of our favorite friends and guests on this show. And we have that's saying something because we have a lot of favorite friends and guests on this show. <laughs> thank y'all. Thank y'all very much. No, no, thank you, Jay. Thank um, you for being here. You know here. what's exciting? Yes, thank you. We only have eight weeks until Christmas. That's 1,488 <laughs> hours. 62 days. Way to throw it off, Tom. I'm here for you. Two months. I can't believe it. Beginning. I mean, again, you want to talk spooky season? That's spooky. Only two months <laughs> until Christmas. Nope not not when you have my wife and she does all the Christmas shopping in May. So <laughs> very nice. We're good to go. That will serve her for very the rest well of y'all. Today. Very well this year. Very very well. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know what? She she was a prophet. Uh-huh. Yeah. For the rest of you, uh, start getting that Christmas shopping done uh, sooner rather than later, for obvious reasons. Uh, get Shop your menus. Local, by the way, I'll, Shop I'll put local. that up. I agree. Uh, get your menus. <laughs> <laughs> sort out your menus, sort out your invitations, and just enjoy the ride because it's going to be here and over before you know it. Because that's how time works this time of year. So, bye. Happy Halloween. Bye.